Pot on the Tyne is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello everybody and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne and I'm joined as a joined, I extended that word for no good reason, uh, as ever by George Culkin and Chris Woff. How are we doing lads, are we okay? Doing great. Yes, very good, thank you. Excellent. And also, as a very special guest today, you might have heard her on the True Faith podcast as well, uh, Charlotte Robson's joined us. How are you doing, Charlotte? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Stuck in the house, but fine. How are we doing? George, how are you doing? How are you keeping? You well? Well, I mean, for the last 25 years, I've been working from home, which has been largely spent sitting around in my own pants and eating food straight from the tin. So I kind of think that this is my time and this has just been, this is the culmination of a life's work. It's George time now, isn't it? This is where, That's this it. Is where you That's really, it. really come into your own. Yeah. That's a terrifying thought. <laughs> Well, oh, it's, the, Chris, it's, 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 the, it's the beauty of working from home, what can I say? Chris, how are you doing? Are you all right? You've got plenty of biscuits left? Uh, well, I, I am worried about my biscuit supplies, as me and you had this conversation on Twitter earlier. So in terms yeah. of other people's stockpile and new roll or whatever they are, I'm, I'm now worried that I have not gone mad for biscuits, and that is now my, my primary concern at the moment. Yeah, cupboard full of Viennese worlds, eh? no doubt. Posh well, that, that would be, that's the dream. That's the dream. Yeah. Use this time, Chris, to start baking your own biscuits. Well, my fiance is a very, very good baker, and she does sometimes let me weigh out the ingredients. But if I go near the actual <laughs> cooking process, and that's a bit of an issue. Anyway, we're uh, we're, we're going to talk about some some various stuff today. Uh, some Newcastle United related stuff. We've had a little poll out on Twitter earlier on as well, where we've been asking about uh, Newcastle United's best or greatest or most important ever signings. Uh, we're going to talk about that later on. But first of all, I want to get us started with uh, a little bit of chat about our illustrious leader, um, Supreme Leader Ashley, who tried to go against all government guidelines today and keep open his uh, Sports Direct Sock Emporium. Um, I'm going to start with George on this. George, what, what's your take on all this? I mean, I'm very glad that that got shut down very quickly this morning. I would say it was staggering, but it's it's not really, is it? In the context of um, in the context of so long as Newcastle's owner and the various controversies that have kind of come about from there, and also from Sports Direct in itself. I mean, just shocking and disgusting and and disgraceful that. Um, that that company should sort of seek to take advantage of uh, what's happening at the moment to keep a sportswear store open, and um, I'm very pleased, uh, you know, about the reaction to it. But that reaction shouldn't have been necessary. Um, and I suppose, I mean, you know, I, we have to be careful about sort of conflating that side of the business and and the Newcastle side of the business perhaps except that this does very much fit in I think with how Newcastle fans feel and have felt over the last decade and more that there's a sort of carelessness there's a thoughtlessness um about their football club when it comes to the owner and um you know without getting too sort of uh, too sort of wanky about it you know the the reason why his ownership of the club has been so painful is that if a club is about a collection of people which it is fundamentally or should be that's that's the whole idea about a sort of sporting institution then it has to be about showing care and diligence and looking after those people and trying to persuade them that they're part of something bigger and more important and better and those sort of things have been have been forgotten and 
you know, when we say Newcastle feels like the works team of Sports Direct, that's what we mean. And then we've seen this stuff today. I mean, I think it's despicable. I'm glad it's I'm glad it's not happening, obviously, but it should never have it should never have been up there in the first place. Chris, what's your view on this? Yeah, I mean I echo everything that George has said and I think during the sort of coronavirus uh, crisis, emergency, whatever you want to call it, we've seen the very best of society in some ways, the way that people are helping each other, the the, the charity organisations, uh, people helping out in the community. And then we've also seen the very worst in terms of, I mean, you talk about stockpiling or whatever you want it to be, people being selfish. But just this, this I would say that we've seen a few companies who, who, who've really enhanced their reputation over the last few weeks and a few who've put a, a sort of hammer onto their, onto their own reputation. And, and if there's one positive to come out of this, I think that it's just universally no one is going to accept that that, that, that was that was the right move. And hopefully now people will, will remember and when all of this is over, they will think twice before going to one of his businesses because uh, I, I don't want to make this too personal, but I just I, I was really angry when I saw that. It, was, it did really, really anger me because this is a life and death issue. This is something where the whole of society is trying to pull together and it seemed to me like just all it was was opportunism. Yeah, would you would you go along with that, Charlotte? What do you think? I think it's disgusting to try and open your shops when clearly the advice is not to. There is a, an element of, well, at least now people can see my cashier's true colours because I have um, conversations with people at work who, um, who, you know, are like, oh, it's not that bad. Newcastle aren't doing that bad. Like, how can you hate them so much? Um, and now it's sort of, here's some, like, concrete evidence. As Chris says, it's, li- it's life or death. And uh, and he's playing with that, so I feel vindicated for that. But I'd rather not be, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I I'll be honest. I I think we can't be too light on the guy here. I think personally, I think this is absolutely utterly despicable behaviour. He's putting. I think he's chosen profit and and business over people. And by people, I mean the, the people who work in his shops, who uh, a, a lot of the time are on zero hour contracts. Um, the people who come into the shops, the customers, the delivery people, all those different people who work and, and are in that environment, he's put every single one of those people in more danger and at a greater risk than he ever needed to. And personally, I'm absolutely disgusted with it. I, th- I think it's a true measure of the man as well. And like you say, I think if people didn't realise what he's like before, I'm hoping that they do now because I think this is this is horrible. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if there was a mass boycott of his shops. I think I think the 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 good thing, although that's absolutely the wrong word, um, about moments like this, and obviously this is a completely sort of unparalleled moment for for us and our generations. Um, if I can lump my generation in with yours, um, is that you do get to see you do get to see people, and you get to see people in their true light, and you obviously hope that these moments. People will come to the fore in a good way, and you know there are loads and loads of stories about how that is happening in the country and and elsewhere. But you also see you also see the bad stuff, and it shines a light on that as well. And you know if you know we're talking this is a this is a football podcast, but you know it's certainly over the past week or two I've started thinking about football in a different way and starting started to sort of remould my relationship with it and I'm looking forward to looking forward to football again but I I hope that when we get past this point we will look at the world in a in a slightly different way and that that's a very vague point but it, I'm I am making it very specifically about Mike Ashley and his businesses I haven't shopped at Sports Direct for as long as he's been he's been owner and that certainly isn't going to change anytime soon and you know we have to remember we have to remember these people and we have to remember these moments Chris, I don't know how you feel about this, but personally, as a Newcastle United fan, um, I'm pretty embarrassed and and disgusted that he's associated with my football club after this. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I would I was chatting to George before we did the podcast earlier, and I said that the one thing that I sometimes do have a little bit of a, of an issue with is in terms of when, in the past, when there's been a lot of protests against Mike Ashley in his running of the football club, that it's then become equated with his the way that he runs his other businesses. Now, I can see why that, that happens, but I do I have always been, this is just my personal view, that, that if that if he'd been a successful owner, then maybe it wouldn't have been looked on as much 
what his business practices are. Obviously, he hasn't been, and subsequently, as George says, the way that some of the practices work actually internally at Newcastle as well, zero-hour contracts and whatnot. But I, I do I can see why a lot of Newcastle fans and a lot of uh, other people associated. Well, I imagine a lot of people associated with, with other elements of his business will be quite embarrassed by this because it, it it he hasn't come out of what I would say that the positive that's come out of this very negative situation, which I wish had not have we talked about, is that I think that this will damage his reputation, and I think that can only be seen as a positive in in, in that sense. I mean, I think just touching on what Charlotte said before, it'll be interesting to see what some of his acolytes in the media that he's had in the past, people who've came out and defended him, people like Rio Ferdinand, it would be interesting to see what they will now think or feel or say, if they'll say anything. Indeed, they'll probably just keep their mouth shut, to be honest, uh, about Mike Ashley and about Sports Direct. What do, you, what do you think, Charlotte? Would you agree with that? I would be interested if I thought that they would call him out, but I don't think that they will. I think I'm, be, I'm quite cynical about it. And I think as long as there's money in their pockets, especially in this sort of slightly uncertain time with regards to that, I don't think any of his sort of major um, fans, I don't think they'll, they'll come out and be like, oh, it was the right decision, that's correct and fine. But I also don't think that they're going to, I'd be surprised, okay, it's probably better to say, if they are like, that was absolutely disgusting, I'm cutting ties with you which is what I would like to see happen. If you want to make the world or your world a better place, mute, block, Richard Keyes, Dennis Wise, all those people. You know, if you can't hear what they say, then they don't exist anymore because that's 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 all they care about. Yeah, I've, I've found that as being a big source of uh, frustration over the years. Is It'll be interesting to see what, what comes out, but I've, I've, I've found over the last few months and maybe it's a year or so that people have... It's been a lot easier just to block and mute and get rid of these people, the people who like to spread the negativity on the timelines of the, the social media um, and, and just ignore them because these are people who you've got to remember, they are paid to have opinions and to stir up uh, trouble and, uh, and uh, create clicks and to drive content and all that sort of stuff. These are people whose job it is to do this. So if they can be contrary or they... No, he's gone again. <laughs> I was going to take the piss out of him because he said these social media as well. He sounded like my granddad or something. <laughs> I know. I'm still here. I didn't fuck off. I was. St- I don't know what you I did. You did fuck did. off. You, you fucked off. You did. <laughs> Richard Keys has logged into my internet and is <laughs> muting me. <laughs> <laughs> this athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic, fill in the style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size, shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially from our selection of over 100 brands, including established names and up-and-coming designers. Try on everything at home, style with other items in your wardrobe, you can then pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy, delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co.uk forward slash athletic. So, Chris, um, you've got a little bit of info about specifically what Newcastle United are doing at the moment. Do you want to share some of that with us? Yes, yeah, so obviously the f- training ground shutdown wasn't last Friday, the Friday before. Newcastle made the decision as soon as basically the Premier League was postponed that they weren't going to have the players training collectively. Other clubs have done uh, otherwise, the likes of Spurs and Middlesbrough at various points. But Newcastle sent the players away with smartwatches uh, so they could track they give them individually tailored uh, training programs every day that data is getting fed back to the club and my understanding is that the players will be fined if they ter- if they return and have put on any extra weight or on the same sort of uh, BMI as, as when they left a couple of weeks ago initially they were going to be coming back to the training ground next Monday my understanding is that's going to be extended given that now the Premier League is certainly not going to be back uh, until the end of April at the earliest although none of us realistically expect that to happen some of the players have uh, have gone back home gone abroad Christian Atsu's back in in Ghana Joe Linton's back in Brazil uh, I think Cher's been back to Switzerland but most most players have have stayed sort of in the northeast and are doing various different bits of training I, I'm sure everyone's seen the adorable video of Alan Saint-Maximin with his uh, little daughters when he, he's doing his little tricks all, 
above yeah. them. It's 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 a, it's a lovely video. I mean, he's been training in his full kit as well. So basically, it's all Newcastle are now working remotely, as a lot of other people are, as a lot of other industries are. Newcastle are set up now to basically be working in that sort of remote environment at all levels of the club. Excellent. I mean, it's it it's interesting. You know, you you forget about how these sort of finely tuned athletes how they have to maintain that level, don't they? That 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 kind of that that peak physical level of uh, of of being up there and and being able to work out and and use the gym and all that. I know I'm sure these guys have got all the equipment they need in the houses and stuff like that, but it must be uh, it must be difficult. I mean, I, I've I've been off work for a week or so now, and I just want to sit on the couch and eat biscuits, uh, which is what I've done. So I mean, you are a finely be, tuned athlete. <laughs> well, of course I am, Chris. Of course I am. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a bit like the kind of off season at the moment when they're all given sort of their individual training plans. They all have these um, kind of GPS watches, fitness watches that log everything they do. So all that stuff can be studied remotely. I mean, it's a pretty you know it's pretty amazing all that kind of stuff. So like when they're on summer holidays and they've you know they're in Dubai or going to all these places, they wear these watches and the kind of those bespoke tailor-made um sort of fitness regimes are done and and logged and so they can see that obviously that's not the same as everybody being together and 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 working on sort of team team stuff but it does mean that there is still an element of control um happening and it's that very strange you know it's that very strange sort of situation i mean it feels remarkable to me now that i went to spain a few weeks ago to see Rafa Benitez's Chinese team when they were in Spain doing this kind of pre-season ahead of a season that they didn't know when or if it was going to start. Um, but it's it's like that. They've got those things to keep them ticking over and then when and if they come back to, to, to Newcastle, they'll then have to sort of build up the intensity again. Yeah, it's a very strange situation that we're dealing with at the minute, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm missing football. I am really missing it. I know it's it's weird, but just the little videos and stuff that have been popping up on Twitter and Newcastle sort of live streamed the the Arsenal game the other day. I don't know if, mm. if, if anyone caught this, but I, yeah. I I found it really I found it really interesting and a little bit emotional at times as well. That kind of because I'm soft as shite, obviously. Um, <laughs> that 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 football just isn't there. It's it's always a constant in our lives, and and if you talk about football, you write about it a lot and all that sort of stuff. It's a constant. It's always there, and then when it goes, it's it's weird. It's like there's a bit of a vacuum. It's strange. I don't know if you're feeling similar to that, Charlotte, at the minute. If if you if you're having yeah, definitely. Are you having withdrawal symptoms? Yeah, I um, I we the podcast, the True Faith podcast. We have a we we do a free one after our games, and then we do like extra content for people if they if they want to listen to it. And so I was doing like probably like two or three podcasts a week about. Newcastle and the news and now I'm just I don't know what to do with that energy I'm channeling yeah. a lot of it into drinking but um <laughs> I um Aren't we I, all? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not sustainable and yeah I, I really miss that I miss the um the community side of it from our yeah. podcast is a big group of us and we'll meet or we'll do it over the phone or whatever but now there's not really any reason to do that and everybody has bigger fish to fry with you know businesses and jobs and things like that and I totally get that so I really miss that sort of social side of it as well and um and just just checking in on results and like it seems really arbitrary but now I feel like how lucky was I that I got to engage with all of that stuff before. I mean, I, I I think about those those things. It's as I said earlier. I'm looking forward to looking forward to it again. What I mean by I don't specifically mean Newcastle because I go to most of the home games and I always the fool that I am. I always look forward to it and then I'm you know pretty much usually disappointed. But I'm looking forward to football in general. I can't remember the last time I looked forward to a game being on the telly because there's so much of it. You know, it's it is every. It's every night of the week. If if it's a Champions League week, it's on every single night. It's the same teams playing, and then even those big games, you know, Man City, Liverpool, and stuff like that. We've seen them before. We've seen them all before. And having that taken away, I'm, you know, I want to. It's 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 that feeling of having a big meal, and you feel like you're never going to be hungry ever again. I mean, I want to be hungry, and just in the same way that I'm looking forward to the, you know, to the to the first night that we can go back to the pub. 
and taste, you know, taste a pint or taste a glass of wine or whatever. I'm looking forward to football coming back and actually feeling like I want to see it again because I've certainly lost that. I love the fact we can still talk about it and talk about it here and talk about it in our writing and things like that because for me the precious thing about it is is those relationships and those conversations and I've got to a point in my life I think where I prefer to talk about it than I do actually to watch it but I want to watch it you know I want to be mm. excited about watching it because that's why I was excited about it in the first place if you are really struggling um the Belarusian Premier League is still going on so you wow. could find a stream for that I'm not yet at that point I okay don't think. okay but well that's just, just a tip thank you well there's a tip tip for all the listeners as well if you are struggling with football withdrawals and you wish to gorge yourself on some white hot <laughs> Belarusian league action that is that is the only choice you have at the moment so get stuck in <laughs> um, I want to move things on a little bit um, we uh, we put out a little poll this morning we were talking about uh, Newcastle United's best ever signings um, the results of the poll were pretty emphatic I'm going to keep that until a little bit later on I'm not going to give away the game just yet but uh, we want to do this. It's a little bit of a lighter thing. Well, it's nice to kind of think about these players and and talk about happy days and good times gone by. Um, so we'll uh, we'll talk about this uh, for a little while now. Um, and just before we start this, I just want wanted us to kind of think about a couple of things. Is so how do we how do we as as football fans and people who write and talk about football how do we quantify what makes a good signing? Um, is it is it value for money or is it games played and goals scored for the club? Is it the importance to the squad? at the time or is it the connection that they have with the fans and the area and the, and the club itself um, or is it something to do with leadership qualities who knows but I would say all of these players that we're going to talk about we've each chosen a player they all kind of cover all of that I would say they, they are people who, who come under all of those categories um, I'm going to start with Charlotte um, Charlotte you're button for a quite a modern and alternative choice uh, and you have your very own good reasons for this do you want to tell us who your Newcastle United best signing is? Yeah, and I'd like to caveat with, I know what the sort of really obvious ones are, and I'm sure we will touch on those. And I don't disagree with any of uh, what we're all going to say, probably. Um, <laughs> but mine is Martin Dubravka. I think he has okay. been an exceptional signing. Um, came in on loan, and then I think we bought him for about $4 million. Um, Yeah, He played every minute of every Premier League game last season. Um, he's really amazing at commanding from the back. Like, uh, even, I think it was at, was at Burnley or one of the matches before before all this. Um, and I was quite close to the pitch and I was quite close to the goal end. And you could just, I could just hear him just, you know, setting people up and encouraging other players and, you know, I just I'm I'm so impressed by his leadership. I think he and Lascelles work really well together. But I just I think if you're thinking value for money, he's kept like almost half clean sheets. I think in the games that he's played, he's yeah. the leadership that you mentioned before. Like I say, yeah. is amazing. And um, and yeah, so. So he's my he's my pick. But you're Charlotte. To, without wishing to be facetious, I mean, I do listen to True Faith, and I and I love it. Thank you. It's fair to it's fair to say that perhaps you've blurred the lines between best signing and slightly creepy obsession with. Right. <laughs> wow. That's rude. Uh, no. No. This is a that's George. That is oh, a, it's a professional interest in his professional qualities. Um, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna press you again because that's not true. Really true, is it? <laughs> Look, Charlotte, I... have you been going through Martin Dubravka's bins? No, not recently. <laughs> I Excellent. really like him. I think he's great. I, I also right and like I joined True Faith a couple of years ago, and um, and I was just sort of you know I've my fanship, not a word, but you understand, <laughs> um, of Newcastle <laughs> United is like has like peaked and troughed, and it was peaking again around the time that we ended up signing him or maybe he was on loan and then um just as I've re-engaged and as I've like been watching the matches with a lot more focus because of true faith and because of you know all of the community elements that I mentioned before I've just been so impressed and so um and so he's yeah he's sort of helped me re-engage with the team I guess apparently fanship is a word it's on the dictionary 
doesn't mean what you what you meant. Apparently, <laughs> it means it pertains to fan art, fanfic, or fan videos, fan vid for short, for certain shipped couples. It can be based on romantic connections. I suppose. Well, there is your fanship. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, we're back. Look, Have we been I haven't made any about videos. <laughs> You have to, I have to say though, Charlotte. I mean, I, I completely understand what you're saying about him. I think he's been a, he's been a brilliant signing since he came in. Brought in by Rafa, obviously, came in on loan. Um, I remember his his debut against Man United at home, where he had an absolute blinder. He was mm-hmm. superb. I think he kind of captured captured our hearts straight away. With you know, we've we've had some decent goalkeepers over the years. We've never really had a great goalkeeper. I don't think maybe since Shea Given, um, but I think he was. I think he was kind of what we needed. We needed, and Rafa recognised that we needed somebody at the back like him to kind of, to, to like you say, to work in tandem with Lascelles and to set the defence up and all that kind of stuff. But I have to say, the thing that's impressed me most about him has been just his sheer reactions, his timing mm. of his reactions. I find amazing. He's made saves in the last two years that I've not seen many other goalkeepers make, especially yeah. not for Newcastle or in the Premier League, he, he makes ridiculous saves and I think he's amazing. I totally agree. And I was at the um, West Brom match and um, he obviously wasn't playing. And, and I, you could just, I suppose I hadn't really thought about the comparison between him and his peers within the squad. And whilst Darlow's yeah. a, a good keeper, the, the sort of, this the like you say, the reactions of um, Dubravka are just so good. And also he's just able to, keep a hold of the ball. Darlow is a is a good keeper, but he but he parries it back quite often and and then it goes back into the penalty area and it's it's more dangerous. Whereas he's just manages to pluck it out of out of the air and, and keep a hold yeah. of it. And you just yeah, like you say, you don't see that very often. George, what's your feelings on Martin Dubravka at the minute? Uh yes, I mean I think I mean I think in all seriousness that the beauty of the beauty of questions like this is that it is purely subjective and it can be for personal reasons and it can be for uh, you know, those, I, I suppose if we're if we're thinking about best ever signings, we should be going back to the Edwardian age, or we should be going back to the fifties and the time when Newcastle actually won things. Uh, so I think it's I think it's absolutely le- legitimate and very good, very good and emotive choice. And yeah, he's been a he's been a he's been a really good signing, and we've seen we've seen this season and previously about how those huge big saves ha- have. Have given Newcastle points at a, you know at, at crucial times. For me, he wouldn't be in the argument. I mean, uh, you know, in this argument because I think there've been sort of far too many better players and more important players who've helped helped the club at sort of better moments, perhaps. But I mean, I fully I fully get that choice. I would agree with that. But the, the one thing I would push for, for Dubravka, and I, 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 he, he wouldn't be my selection, but is. I do remember before Dubravka signed, before Newcastle signed a keeper, and Benitez was adamant that they needed to sign another keeper. And I mean, I even I doubted it. The, the club hierarchy certainly doubted it when he tried to get Willy Caballero, Pepe Reina. Six months, he basically tried to get another keeper. And they already had Darlow, they had Rob Elliott. They seemed to have some very good goalkeepers, and I wasn't convinced that they needed a different one. But as soon as Dubravka came in, the way he transformed that team, yeah. the way that he changed it, I would say that that, that it was fully justified that they did need another goalkeeper and that just yeah. it wasn't just his saves, it was also that sort of authority he had he has and had over the back four. And so for that reason, I can see why in terms of he was a transformative signing, not in terms of completely transformed the history of Newcastle as potentially other signs have but he was very important to try and change that team and redevelop it yeah he's you could see it sort of settled us a bit didn't it straight away when he came in he, he did make a difference to that defense and to that defensive unit um and and like I say I think his, his performances have shown just how good of a player he is and the value for money as well you've got to remember is is massive I think that's a great a great great signing absolutely fantastic signing um Chris we're going to move on I'm going to come to you mate um, you've uh, you've chosen a certain player who you believe is uh, Newcastle, one of Newcastle's greatest ever signings. Would you like to tell us who that is? Well, you see, I've gone for both 
what they've brought on the pitch and also that Latino music that he brought off the pitch. So I've gone for uh, <laughs> Norberto Solano and his uh, his trumpet. I mean, I don't want to say that. That sounds weird. So, uh, but but yes. If we're talking about good good names for a band, Norberto Solano's trumpet has to be up there. Taylor, no, you normally uh, normally choose those. Or would it be a porn film? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, Nor- Norberto <laughs> Solano's trumpet. Sounds like it could be a website, a very niche uh, <laughs> pay-per-view website. Hey, let's face it, we've we've got nothing else to do. <laughs> yes, we've got lots of time on our hands. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash tyne and pay the postage of just four ninety five. And if that wasn't enough, as listeners to Pod on the Tyne, you'll get two extra free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe and find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash tyne to get your case free. And don't forget right now, listeners to Pot on the Tyne, get two extra free beers. So, Norberto Solano, Chris, do you want to give us some, give it some background into this? What, what's your thinking here? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we're all making different arguments. I mean, I probably will agree with 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 the one George puts forward. If I'm really thinking, uh, if I was really pushed, but in terms of if I, if I'm looking at value for money, if I'm looking for contribution that brought, if I'm looking for the fact that before Norberto Solano came to Newcastle in 1998, very few people in England knew of him. It's long before the age of now where you, it's a lot easier now to find out about players on other sides of the world. I mean, the signing from Boca Juniors in 1998 for 2.5 million. And in two separate spells, he made well beyond 250 appearances for Newcastle, scored 30-odd goals. But just the... I, I, don't, I can't remember a right-footed player playing for Newcastle who had such... A, a brilliant cross as Norberto Solano and Alan Shearer praises him as well and says that the way that he could could just whip his foot around the ball get it in the box and just really create, make that strike force so potent, he had him on one side Robert on the other and yeah. that brilliant Sir Bobby Robson side and just I just thought he was such an underrated technical footballer. What he could actually do with the ball, I think he was he was very much underrated, and, he, and a lot of other players from that era get venerated, and, and rightly so. But I just don't think that he he has that sort of admiration that maybe I think he should, given how good a footballer he was, and given that maybe he was overshadowed by others. But I think that anyone who played with him will tell you how good a player he was. I mean, he had ninety five caps for Peru. 20 goals, played, went on to play for Villa and West Ham and whatnot, but just for the price that Newcastle paid for him and the value he had in a team that finished third, fourth, got to the Champions League, I just think he was he was an absolutely fantastic player. He was highly highly uh, rated by a certain Diego Maradona as well, who, who I believe uh, was a, a teammate of his at certain times and, and really uh, really rated Nobby as well. And you're right about that, that right foot of his. It was an absolute wand, wasn't it? He could do wonders with that right foot. And if you're a player like Alan Shearer and you've got people like Norberto Solano playing on the wing and, and he's putting those crosses in, you'll be absolutely loving that, wouldn't you? Charlotte, what's, what's, your, what's your memories of, of, uh, of Nobby Solano? He was my favourite player um, around... 99 when I I was quite young but I remember um I won the opportunity to get a ball signed by all the players um at Newcastle United I won that at school and I was so excited and um my teacher took me and asked who my favorite was and I was like Nobby Solano and then when I got there I was too nervous to say anything and she just went you're her favorite and I was so embarrassed. I was like bright red, so embarrassed. And then, and then my school took the ball off me to auction for charity. So I never even got what? to keep it. I know. Bastards. That's my memory. Anyway, it was lovely. And yeah, yeah, I um, I can't really argue with anything Chris has said there. I can. I can argue with this. Well, I mean, Solana was a great was a great player at a, at a great time. But I think, I mean, if if Charlotte's cut. Cast- 
category should kind of have, should be professional footballers I would like to stand next to and sniff, then Chris's <laughs> Chris's category here is just underrated footballers, and I think that's fine. And he was he was a great player, and he was underrated, but he is not the best signing in Newcastle's history, and you know so. When I come on to my choice, I'll 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 kind of explain why I why I believe my answer is absolutely right. I you again, are just here to poo poo everyone else, aren't you? That's well, no. If if, if 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 no no one disagrees with you particularly here, but you pick the you pick the obvious one. So we all. But I think I think got the easy boring. path here. I, yeah, but I passionately believe it. But I also I would happily have argued for somebody else. I would happily have argued for two or three other people, but neither of them would have been Martin Dubravka. And Norberto Norberto Solano with his with his trumpet, and I think the point yeah. is you're both both arguing different questions, which is fine, but it's it's slightly annoying. Do you think do you think Nobby Solano fits more into the cult hero kind of thing? Cult that we hero, were about underrated. No, I think he's beyond. I think he's beyond cult hero. I think that's. Oh, I, think yeah. he, he, I, I think in terms of underrated underrated Newcastle players, I think he's an absolute classic and. You know, he was very sort of unassuming on the pitch. He worked hard. He had that brilliant right foot, as Chris talked about, and he played in a brilliant team. And he was, he was part of that. You know, he was part of the club and part of that group on and off the pitch, and a very, very important player and a great player, but not not best signing. Well, um, well, I'll, well I'll, I'll, I feel I'll... thoroughly scorned. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Know your place, you two, George. If, George you want the, if, 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 if you want the correct answer, I'll happily give it to you. Well, I'm going to come to you last, George. I'm going to talk about my my choice now, and I think I might. I don't think I'm going to be able to beat you because obviously you've made your mind up already. But my my choice is actually my genuine feeling about who I think is Newcastle United's greatest ever signing. Now, um, I'm going to choose uh, a guy called Rob Lee. And I believe Rob Lee is Newcastle United's greatest ever signing. And I do believe that with all my heart. Uh, and now I get what you're going to say about your choice, George. But I, I think your choice is almost too obvious for me. But we'll get on to that. Um, Rob, Rob Lee um, signed from Charlton uh, in 1992 for £700,000. Now, for me, this makes him Newcastle United's best value for money signing in the club's entire history for what he gave us, for the amount of games he played, uh, for what he brought to that team, his quality, his leadership, all that sort of stuff. £700,000, and I know it was only 1992, so it was quite a long time ago, but I think that's an absolute steal, an absolute snip. Um, He joined Newcastle uh, to play under his his childhood hero, Kevin Keegan, um, (laughs) after Kevin Keegan told him that the other club that that wanted to sign in Middlesbrough that Newcastle was closer to London than Middlesbrough and, and Rob Lee uh, believed him without checking an ordnance survey map. I don't know what that says about <laughs> Rob Lee. But uh, Rob Lee also had a, uh, had a had a bit of a connection to the North East. Um, a, a relative of Rob Lee's was actually part of the Jarrow March as well. Can you see the person who's been on Wikipedia this morning? That would be me. <laughs> um, but just to be serious for a minute, I think, I think Rob Lee's massively underrated as well. Um, I think he, he was a brilliant footballer. He could play across the midfield. Um, he also played occasionally as a second striker uh, in various games. And I think when he came in, nobody at the club expected him to go on to be the player that he did. Uh, played for England, played at the World Cup, scored lots and lots of goals, and then was treated abhorrently by uh, Rude Hullet when he came in, replacing Kenny Daglish. Um For me... I think Rob Lee is the best signing that Newcastle United have ever made. Um, and that is my TED talk about Rob Lee. And I, 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 I'm going to give you credit because I think you've actually answered the question. So, and I Well, think, we did answer the um, question. You may not agree with the answer. Yeah. But... Well, I, you answered a different question. So no, I think, no I think, you're, putting, I think, you're putting those words I into think, our mouth. Absolutely. I'm giving you my, my judgment on what you've done. And I think Taylor's answered the question. I think, I think you can make a very good argument to say, if, if your criteria for best signing is best value for money, then Rob Lee is But not just, not just best no, value No, no, I know, I know, I know, not just that. But, if but that's I covered one of... that when I did mine. I said, I said value for money. I said leadership. If those are the criteria for best signing, then 
that's what I think. Yeah, but it's so patently wrong that. Um, right, that, that's the problem. But but anyway, but and and Rob Lee stayed for stayed for ages, and um, no, I I I personally I I think that's a I have I have respect for that for that shout. I don't agree with it, but I think you've I think you've <laughs> at least considered the question seriously. Well Sir John Hall agrees with you. Sir John Hall Sir John Hall always says Rob Lee in terms of he, he mentions the value for money and he always says that the best signing in terms of his era was was Rob Lee for that very reason that the signing for seven hundred grand or whatever it was and really he turned into a footballer who should have been worth a lot, a lot more than that. I mean I've I've got a little bit of a vested interest in this because I've met Rob a couple of times and he's a great guy. Um, I, we he came on, on as a guest on on my old podcast. He was the first, uh, the first ex player that we ever had on the podcast, and the first ex player that I ever actually sat and talked to properly. Um, and he was he was really nice, and he was, he you know he was gracious and stuff. But what he did pulled me up on. I said uh, we signed you from Charlton for seven hundred and fifty thousand, and he said no no I'll just stop you there. It wasn't seven hundred and fifty thousand. It was seven hundred thousand. <laughs> so he wanted to make sure that I knew exactly how much he was signed for, and I, you know, yeah, fair play. Um, but I have. Um, Did he not I, tell I, you I, like, you were crap football as well? Uh, yeah, I played in a cha- <laughs> I played in a charity game with him for the. Uh, it was a it was a charity that Papa Cissé was involved in about sending uh, footballs over to Africa and stuff like that for kids who didn't who didn't have them basically, and Rob Lee played. Uh, on on the team that I was on, there was me and and my mate Bestie Stephen Best, um, and we both played in this team with Rob Lee. Now the midfield, see if you can get your head around this. The midfield was me, Rob Lee, and Stephen Best. Right, that was the midfield. Right, he was carrying so that midfield got, a little bit. <laughs> well, it, let's just say his back and his knees were sore. That's a lot of <laughs> weight to carry, by the way. Yeah. Well. We came off at half time and, and it was nil nil. We weren't we weren't doing brilliantly and Rob Lee just pointed at me and Bestie in the dugout and went, Right, you two are shit. And I looked down and the problem I had was that my five year old son was holding my hand at the time, stood next to me. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know, he was I think he was joking, but he was also right as well, let's be honest. <laughs> um we were terrible that day. But I remember him he, he, he he kept shouting at us and stuff and, and taking the piss, basically. And I actually stopped at one point and said, Rob, you know, for God's sake, you played for England in the World Cup. I used to work at Carphone Warehouse. Let's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do love him. I think he was a great a great player. He's the player that I used to pretend to be in the, in the playground when I was a kid as well. I was always, I wanted to be Rob Lee. Everyone else wanted to be Alan Shearer or, you know, David Ginola. I was always Rob Lee. I was Mr. Dependable. Sitting back and, and and marshalling the midfield. No, it's a good choice. Sorry, I just choice. I just got a bit emotional. There. A little tear came into my eye. No, so George, come on then. Let's move on to you. I mean, we all know who you're going to say. Um, let's not let's not hold it back any longer. Come on, give us your uh, the greatest signing in Newcastle United's history. Well, the correct answer to this question, um, <laughs> I think there are valid arguments to be made about James Pearsley. Uh, well, he is the correct answer to every question. We've already, I think we've said that in previous yes. podcasts. But I think there's a great case to be made for, for Peter Beardsley um, and his two two fabulous spells at the club. A lot of people have made the case for, for Kevin Keegan, and I can understand that, except, again, I don't think they've answered this question in the right way. So well, they haven't answered if, the question. Let me let me let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. A lot of people have said Kevin Keegan it's obvious, but what they're saying by that is he arrived as a player and because he arrived as a player, he then came back as a manager. And that's fine, but I think with these things you have to be pretty I think I think I w- I want it to be about you can still make the argument about Kevin Keegan, by the way, as a player, and I think that's a valid a thing. Player, if yeah. it's about what happens in management, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's the right way of answering that question. Again, this is my very strong opinion uh, about that. But the correct answer to this question is Alan Shearer, if we're not going back to the 50s or, or beyond. And you talked about, Taylor, you talked about um, Rob Lee and that, and how much he cost. Well, I'll sort of reverse that argument a little bit. I mean, I would argue to my very, very last breath that Alan Shearer represented value for money. But my God, oh, no, I agree with you. Yeah. He, he, he was a world record transfer, and he played for Newcastle. And that is my starting point, and in some ways, it's also my end point because, um, although you know he stayed at the club for a decade and became the club's record goal scorer, he represents a time when Newcastle were so ambitious 
that they were prepared to go out and buy an England international striker and bring him to Newcastle for a world record fee. And if you let that sort of sink in for a minute and about how far how far we've sort of declined since that point, it's pretty, I still find that pretty sort of emotional and poignant and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so so there's that and there's then what I mean, would, I agree with that, what, but that's also that's beyond the question itself as well. That's I'd bring in another. You wouldn't signing. let us bring in another element. Best you, you, but that's but, but, but the fact best that it, the fact signing the fact that the it's fact, a world record fee. You've just brought in another element, which you say no, you want this question no, to be singular. And you want to be quite clear. And you're talking about the fact if you consider that he was a world record signing. No, because he was a world record signing. It makes him. If, no, it doesn't. Not, not, not without the rest of it. But put. To, I'm saying that's my starting point. It's also my finishing point because of what he represents and what he represented. Okay, if he'd signed as a world record signing and then left two days later, clearly he wouldn't be the best signing. I'm making a point about the price. I'm saying it's not about how cheap he was. I'm saying it's about how expensive he was because it was a time when Newcastle were prepared to go out and shock the world, and they did. From that point, he goes <laughs> he goes on to be the best of us. He goes on to be the best of us. He is us. He's from Newcastle. So I suppose you can argue, should he have left in the first place? But he did, and he came back. Mm. And he... There was the, uh, you know, the, the dream that was sold to him evaporated pretty quickly, um, because he arrived just after Newcastle have, have have blown the title. You know, they finished second the season after under, you know, under under Kenny, um, but it was it was kind of a false dawn. But he stuck he stuck with us. He stuck with it, as he said in that interview I did with him recently. Once he got here, he was never going to leave, and he won games on his own. More or less, he saved games on his own. I believe that very, very strongly. And he put his body on the line week in, week out. And at his peak as a footballer, he had absolutely everything. He had everything as a centre forward. By the end of his career, he didn't because he'd had those terrible Achilles injuries, broken ankle, all the rest of it, and he'd become something else. Um, and. I'm actually Chris and I are writing something about him at the minute because we're still doing our our greatest goal series, and we're writing. Uh, or maybe I shouldn't give it away, so I won't. But but there's a great quote from Sir Alex Ferguson talking about a different a different Shirago actually, and he said he hit it as if he meant to kill it, and <laughs> yeah, he 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 played with that sort of murderous intent, and. He wasn't a delicate footballer, but he was a brilliant footballer. And um, life goes goes on beyond the Premier League, but he's the Premier League's leading scorer. He's our leading goal scorer, and he is the best part none. Full stop. End of conversation. Goodbye, everyone. I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> Mike, I'm just being Mike facetious because you were being facetious. So. Do I have to come down there and, and bitch slap the two of you to put you in line? Because... You know, I'm I'm prepared to break social distance and guidelines in order to knock your heads together <laughs> if you don't start behaving yourselves. But yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's be honest, George. I mean, you've 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 had the easy task there. You have. But I would I would say we all agree. I would say we probably all agree in our heart of hearts that Alan Shearer is the greatest signing. Not only the greatest signing, the greatest player it, going back all the way through the post-war uh, years and all that sort of stuff that we were talking about before. To, to ever pull on a black and white shirt. I mean, he's the club's record goal scorer. Um, the the amount of appearances that he made. When you think about how many goals he couldn't have scored, he could have scored if it hadn't been for those those bad injuries that you talked about. Uh, and I, I I just I think he was an astonishing an astonishing footballer. And I don't think we'll see the likes of him again. Uh, I think the game has changed now to the point where. I don't think an Alan Shearer is possible anymore. If that makes does that make any sense? I, I don't know, but that's how I feel. Yeah, I think it makes sense. It's kind of I agree with you, and that's sort of sad in a way. Yeah, it <laughs> yes. is. No, it is. It is not because, because I agree with you. I'm happy so to agree with you. I'm I'm sad yeah. that that's the sentiment. Well, the, the majority of fans, the vast majority of fans, agreed with this as well, didn't they? It was sixty five percent went from was it the poll? The poll that we had was. Um, 65% Alan Shearer, 7% Rob Lee, 25% Kevin Keegan, and 3% Other, although I don't remember Other. Was he a loan <laughs> signing? 
Well, in the in the Q and A yesterday, we had some. We had, I mean, the majority were Shearer or Beardsley or Keegan, but we did have some other names thrown in. Some some of which people accepted weren't necessarily the best. I know there's Janola was in there. Someone's had and Ben Arthur. Um, we had uh, a very left field Antoine Sibierski. Although I think my favourite one was. <laughs> From Graham L, who said Newcastle's most cost-effective signing cost 15p from Superdrug in Northumberland Street. It was Darren Peacock's hair bubble. So I very much enjoyed that one. <laughs> Darren Peacock's hair bubble's a great name for a band. I would forget. But interestingly, not a porn film. Is that interesting? No. <laughs> it sounds like it could be a it sounds like it could be a sex toy. Definitely. Well, there you have it. Um, Alan Shearer uh, was voted as Newcastle's greatest ever signing, which I think is pretty pretty spot on, isn't it? Uh, Kevin Keegan came in second, Rob Lee in third, incidentally. Um, and yeah, we've all had a lovely, lovely chat. It's been it's been great to have you on, Charlotte, as well. Will you please come back and speak to us again? Um, I'll think about it, yeah. You'll think about it. All right, great. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Well, I've been told off by George. Well, then, oh, well, then we'll think about having you back on again. Then. <laughs> I would love to come back if you'd have me. Fantastic. George, Chris, are you, uh, are you in the middle of doing anything at the moment for The Athletic? Anything in particular? Anything special? Yes. So uh, we're working still on the best goals series, as we talked about earlier. And we've got another kind of couple of uh, big projects in the pipeline. We're looking at a couple of big anniversaries that are coming up. Uh, within the next week or so, I don't want to give the uh, don't want to give the game away too much at this point, but hopefully they will be they will be a bit of fun. And just I'd like to talk a little bit about the unwritten series we've got um, on the site at the moment, and these are writers talking about some of the um, biggest stories that they've not had a chance to write about before, and then that nicely leads me over to Chris. Yes, so from a Newcastle United point of view, I believe it's going to go up Thursday morning. Uh, I have spoken to uh, various people about, uh, including Sir John Hall, about the stadium that never became on Castle Leases, in uh, which was proposed in 1996-97, got to plan and permission being uh, sent in and basically the council behind it. And basically the story behind that stadium, why it didn't happen, and obviously the subsequent uh, sort of restructuring and re- redevelopment of St James's Park, so hopefully that is something that everyone will enjoy. Even if there's that sort of mm, again, that was back to that era of, of of trying to be better. We don't have that at Newcastle right now, but hopefully, just it's an interesting tale for people to 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 read up on. Wow, that's going to be interesting. Good stuff. Well, of course, there's lots more football content on theathletic.com. Make sure you get on there and have a look. At the moment, we've got a special offer for uh, listeners to the podcast. If you go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod, you can get 40% off your subscription fee at the moment. Of course, it goes without saying, uh, look after yourselves. Make sure you're washing your hands. Make sure you're taking care of each other. Look after the vulnerable people out there. And uh, don't be buying loads of packets of bog roll or pasta at the supermarkets. There is no need to be a greedy bastard. Let's make sure there's <laughs> enough to go around for everyone. Um, Chris, try not to eat too many Viennese worlds. I don't want you coming back after pre-season overweight. I have got your GPS tracker here. And I've noticed you've been you've been back and forth to the fridge a few times today already. So you can knock that on the head. Okay. Uh, but thanks best. very much. Charlotte, thank you again for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. George, cheers. Try and cheer up, mate. It's not the end of the world. Well, you say that. (laughs) (laughs) You say that. Um, Yeah, Pope of Mope. Again, I feel like I'm coming into my own. This is my time. This is very much my time. It's now George time. Uh, Chris, look after yourself, mate. Keep an eye on those back gates. And uh, we shall speak to everybody soon. We'll be back next week. Look after yourselves and take care.